late in life diagnosis can be quite the hard pill to swallow for some of us. For some of us, it creates a, a sense of relief, uh, a sense of, wow, I finally get it. And for some, it, it, it creates shame, guilt, um, you know, a sense of, why didn't I know sooner? I wish I had known sooner. And when it comes to entrepreneurship and ADHD, uh, some of us who have gone most of our lives uh, being successful, thriving in our business, in a, in a professional setting and so forth, the minute we hit that tipping point and we get a diagnosis that says, oh, by the way, you've had ADHD and you've had it all your life, it really stops us in our track. It's, it's a time of true reflection and saying, okay, now what do I do? So in this episode, I am interviewing one of my previous clients who was late in life diagnosed and runs a really successful digital agency out in Vancouver. Um, but however, most of his life, he went about his way, doing his unique way of managing things uh, until late in life, he realized, whoa, I have ADHD and it just changed everything for him. So through this conversation, it was important for me to share with you his experience of before diagnosis, after diagnosis, his experience with coaching, his results that he saw from once he took charge of his brain and decided to really understand it, how it impacted his business and the success that he's, he's uh, you know, receiving from um, managing his brain better. He was successful before, but then now he's even much more comfortable and at ease with what's going on with his brain neurology and is really able to tap into his strengths and make the most of it even more. So talk about you've got superpowers and now there are super superpowers. So here's an episode with a conversation with JP, who I respect highly, and I'm excited to share this with you. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another session with Coach Kathy today. Uh, I have JP with me. JP uh, and I go back, back, back in the days when I worked in the corporate world and uh, was doing digital marketing. And uh, he was uh, the, the owner of a digital agency at the time and doing some amazing digital work for some big brands. When I disclosed about my ADHD on LinkedIn, JP also came up and said, hey, I just got diagnosed. So then it got a little way too personal for both of us to say, oh, you have the same brain as I do? Okay, well, maybe that's why I like you so much. So, but without further ado, here's JP and he's gonna tell us your, his story of what happened with his diagnosis. And as always, my guests, when they come on, I bring them on because the, the journey that they had, each of us can kind of learn from it, get inspired and, you know, find that we're not all alone in this. There's other people like us and here's how JP is doing it with his business as an entrepreneur. So welcome JP. Thank you. Good yeah. to be here. I'm glad to share. I'm happy to share. Yeah. Thank you for accepting. So tell us what brought on the ADHD diagnosis. What happened? I, um, I was, I was frustrated with work, uh, in general, I was, I kept feeling like I was, my business was growing and I was, I was not, even though the business was growing, my list of things to do was getting larger and I was starting to 
fool myself into the major projects that I had to do to advance the company and to ultimately support the team, I kept moving the goalposts and tricking myself into thinking that that was okay, that there was no negative impacts of just moving projects out, large projects, infrastructure or operational or, you know, where, where we want to go with our, with our company. And it dawned on me, it was probably four years ago that kind of like cheating at golf, I was cheating myself by moving those goalposts, by not being able to get things done and getting comfortable with just moving them out. And ultimately it was undermining undermining where we were supposed to be going, where the company was going. And I did have somebody who I was accountable to. I had been fooling myself that as the boss, you don't have anybody you're accountable to, but you do. You have your team mm -hmm. that you're accountable to because they made a promise that they've come to join a company that you've painted a vision of where we're going. So it started to, it started to dawn on me that these were definitely failings and that um, I needed to dig into why I kept pushing them out. And I started to do some some more research about what ADHD or ADHD was, and some of the symptoms that I read. And I had one little bit of a coaching session uh, at one time really resonated with me. So I decided to get tested, and I did a test, which my wife also participated in. And uh, it turns out that I was on this very far spectrum. Of, of of being ADHD, and that the, even further getting to understand what the symptoms were was very eye opening, and I, I thought to myself at that time, okay, now now I know, but I didn't really know what to do with that, mm -hmm. and I still had a lot of things on the go. I tried a couple of little techniques, but I pretty much parked it and just sort of denied that it was a thing. And then some bigger things in life happened. Ultimately, the, the business had some substantial disruptions to it. So there was some really big rethinking of the business, my role in the business, my entrepreneurship, you know, successes and failures. Do I continue on or do I, you know, there was a lot of introspective at that time. And part of that introspective was to read a book. It's an ADHD book called Taking Charge of Adult ADHD by Russell A. Barkley, PhD. Pretty, pretty in-depth book on ADHD. So mm -hmm. I did a deep dive. I think that is like one of the books, as they say. And I like started to dig into it. I just, I really, I was relating more and more to a deeper analysis of the symptoms and it, really became clear that I was relating so much to what was being described in this book that there was a huge, there was like a huge weight that came off my shoulders. Mm. Here I was, uh, 51, and the way in which my brain was wired and the way I did things, I had felt very much alone and that this was just my the way I was wired. Right. And that my def deficiencies, if you would, if you, if you like, were, were mine to own on my own. And that's just, you know, everyone's different. And when I started to read this book, I realized I am not alone and that these are very characteristic of people with ADHD because I, my initial research was so cursory. I didn't really, really understand it. So I related very much to it 
And then I thought to myself, wow, there are ways in which I can now tackle this. You know, they say, you know, it, they're knowing it is one thing, but knowing deeper, deeper. So that's when I started to dig into what I could possibly do. And part of that was to, <laughs> I was to reach out to you, which was actually a pretty big catalyst for me to, to go and do more work. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where the, the diagnosis and the decision to, to take it on and acknowledging it, that these things that were challenging for me were for a reason, not just mine alone and on my own. So that's, that's where, you know, we had our first session and I was handling it. I didn't feel, I actually felt more elation or joy than depression around it. I know some people get pretty bummed out by the, when there's a diagnosis, diagnosis. I'm already, I I had a late, in my twenties, I was diagnosed with uh, dyslexia. So I'd already had a, a lifetime of dealing with solving training myself out of the deficits that uh, come with dyslexia and in and and acknowledging and and taking advantage of the 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 positives that come with dyslexia and there are many so i think in the journey that i had prior of being recognizing that my my youth and my my youth and my teen years were partially already i had a better definition of why i struggled so uh, it wasn't all net net new you know so this was another piece of the puzzle so i was able to to feel some sense of solace that okay i know what it is now let's let's tackle it like i tackled my my dyslexia and i tackled my dyslexia in a very public way which was i started a blog and decided to write and put it all out there and train myself to not be afraid to just write part of dyslexia for some is that the more nervous you are or distracted the more dyslexia kicks in Mm -hmm. and so as I got more comfortable uh, writing publicly and it was interesting I put a dyslexic it was a dyslexic blog and so I was comfortable because I knew that anybody coming in the doors agreed to the terms yeah this was a dyslexic blog so I didn't have to put on airs or care I mean I cared and I was working to, to to solve it and it was pointed out to me that I had actually just spelt the title wrong for more than a year, which was uh, travel technology uh, and uh, photography from a dyslexic opponent of view. I had no idea. And a lot of people didn't mention it because they thought I put it on purpose. So that was having dealt with that and becoming better at dyslexia, I think helped me in understanding and not being so kicking the ADHD realization as a big negative. It was like, okay, now I know what it is. I can, I can look for real tools. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's, I relate to a lot of what you say, especially on the, I felt also relief at, at, you know, in in my early forties, when I got diagnosed, it was the, oh my gosh, finally, it all makes sense. All the risk taking that I do, all the moving around that I do across country, across the towns. It all made so much sense. So it was, it was a relief for sure. And then and we even go on- just the, even just the leaving the room and forgetting what you left the room for, which was Absolutely. starting to really drive me nuts. And I thought I was going crazy. Just that one little thing uh, to not recognize that that's a big piece of ADHD. It unlocked, it retroactively unlocked 
and made me feel at peace with a lot of things that had happened before to you yeah. know, put it to rest. Makes sense. Makes a whole lot of sense. So, so then, then we had a couple of sessions, uh, coaching sessions on, you know, kind of getting more familiar with it and here's what it is. And, and the, we even talked about how to manage your days and how to, sh- you know, being a leader in an organization and talk about that experience from, um, because I know there was a shift in, in the way you went about managing your days. So what happened? What was the before and after like? Well, you know, I tried, I tried some managing of lists and, and managing of days. And I just always would like to be a good, it would be a good start. But I think because they weren't attached to knowing that I didn't do them because of ADHD. I was doing them just to self-diagnose to try to stay organized. But when I realized that those types of tools would be integral if I stayed the course with them to the fact that it was ADHD. It changed my perception as to the importance of sticking to to routines and in our conversations uh, that you and I had around when am I most productive, right? I'm most productive between 5 a.m. and 11 a.m. And mm-hmm. it was it was really good to hear that then you should prioritize anything that's really important or needs your full focus, you know, before noon. And so I, I did that and started to get anything that was not important could get, or as important, or remind, we needed as much focus, could get moved to the afternoons. And then I informed my whole team as well that, that I had ADHD and that I was making some changes. And they already known I'm a pretty transparent person around dyslexia. And so when I brought this up, everyone, was was cool with it so you know and i can now say in the afternoon if i'm at an important session with the team and i'm fading i can stay without any challenge i'm not at my best at the moment um, so i'll do what i can but my focus is pretty 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 thin and they so it's it, it makes it takes some pressure off and being transparent with people also helps mm-hmm. and some understand what you're going through our company or her company's first value is empathy so i should be able to put what i'm feeling for into into the room it should be okay at a company whose values are start with empathy so and then just just recognizing that mornings are most effective did give me a big shift to to be okay with afternoons not as productive and not being as frustrated i think and that it was okay. Another piece, which, you know, you helped me do, which was like one hour chunks and reward yourself, that, you know, for one hour, you know, one hour, one hour max. So being able to break things up because when I do get into flow time, if I'm really interested in things, um, I can go four hours. Absolutely. Uh, and with COVID lockdown, I did find that I actually could get a lot done in the evenings because I couldn't go out. So I was doing extra things. I started another business um at the kitchen table of designing t-shirts mm-hmm. putting a store together so yeah i can go long sprints uh of time blocks of time but when when am i am best it's definitely 5 a.m to midday so that was a huge huge one for me awesome. and then sticking sticking to my list and, and enabling my lists in a way that i can i think the other thing that you helped me was like either running or walking or in the shower or recognizing that a lot of my great most of thoughts come into play or uh, um, lucid ideas around what needs to get done or what I'm trying to solve happen in those moments in time. So 
you know, I always have a place to make notes because I can forget these important things when I leave leave the room. I think another important piece is that when I'm working with my team at high level strategy sessions where there's ideation going on, mm-hmm. it the I guess the ideas I don't come into very often premeditated with ideas. I don't have that capacity and the capability. I am. Um, I live in the moment, and I think that's the other reason with with ADHD to to understand that it is you're, you're in that very moment in time. The future is too far to imagine, and the past is forgotten for me. That's the sort yeah, of very I'm in a, all of us. I move through, and uh, so a lot of my team now just put the recorder down and start recording the sessions for ideation because they know that as soon as I leave the room or the Zoom room, and I've said I'll forget this as soon as we walk out. And there's some pretty big, pretty big things that I, ideas that come to mind in those moments of, of ideation and, and create co-creation with them, with the team members. So being able to just put that out there mm-hmm. and not feel crazy for, because most people could then walk away and do something with those. But it's, I don't want to, I mean, the term savant, it feels savant-like and I make jokes of it. Like it just, they just Oh, I get it. The ideas come, but to have the permission to say you better record it and be okay with it, have everyone else okay with it also does make things easier Mm -hmm. um, and to deal with. And I think that's the other piece of realizing the ADHD symptom, which one of the biggest struggles I had in life was the inability to, to what I was always envious of others. A lot of the strategists will sit down and they will think what they're going to do for a keynote spot in the keynote or what they're going to present to a team or present putting together up, uh, something premeditative as I call it. I always struggled. There was nothing there. It was always a blank canvas. But if I was uh, in a meeting or a brainstorming session or working with a client, they just would, the ideas would flow and I'd be, you know, really frustrated why that couldn't happen with me alone sitting there to try to build a thing. Mm -hmm. So understanding that that was okay and that was not just me and that I had to work around it in different ways to capture those ideas and to tell people that I can't go and do a 10 page deck for you and I have to figure it out in the moment and then I'll get it onto paper and onto a deck, but I'm not a person that can sit down and just work. And it was always the same way with my art. I could never draw anything out of my imagination, but I can hyper realistically draw things from photos if I can. And that was oh, yes, I'm the that's same. same. It's the same piece of the way my brains work. So, and I did a thing uh, many years ago with a coach that was this time scale thing, this, which is where I first realized this was a challenge. And I, I can't get into it here, but it was a, I would have to relate distances, geographic distances to my coach. Like when he would mention a time, a month or a week or two years, I'd have to tell him, geographically where I thought that was from is this is this in Vancouver is this across the street is a week across the street or is a week in my mind uh oh wow at the border of BC and what these what that did was taught him told him that I cannot really envision things beyond two or three years I'm always living in a perpetual state of two years everything's two years out max and after that there's no there's nothing there so that helped him understand how i needed to do strategy for my business because everything's usually five ten 
in 20 years. And mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine where five years would be. So we had to reduce mm -hmm. it down to my two and three years. That was I really appreciate that one because you've you naturally had your own hacks on how you were managing your brain by, you know, instead of time, it was the distance. Like that's brilliant um, way of looking at it. Made it relatable to understand. And then when I realized that a lot of my, what I perceived as shortcomings that frustrated me in life, we're around ADHD and this being only in the moment, mm -hmm. right? And so once I would be able to relate another frustration to that part of me, I grew more comfortable. I don't love it. Uh, I wish I had more, the ability to be able to see further in, into the into the future. I wish there was I could sit down and do a strategy for a company on my own in a room. Mm -hmm. Those are things that yeah. Am I envious of others for sure? But now I'm working on the tools in which I can capture those in the moment um, in the moment catalysts or for creativity, which is what I always called it I, at one time i wanted to be a strategist where i would just drop in and be called a creative catalyst because i can drop into any group yes and get that things going they're not necessarily my ideas but i can help them connect dots and then yeah uh, create i guess positive feedback loops where things can build almost exponentially in a creative session mm -hmm. but if i tell you before going in i, I would typically i'll have nothing There'll be nothing in my back pocket it's like i'm going to bring these ideas i relate yeah. to that i think part of that is we are so in tune with everybody around us that they, they call us highly empaths. Uh, most ADDers are very empathetic. So we really connect with everybody around us and we pick up the energy of the room and you know, the, for the good or the bad. Mm -hmm. and, I, and what I love about this part of what you're saying about collaboration, and I found that to be the same now that I'm an entrepreneur, uh, on the corporate side, you know, you have a team, you, you go in a room with a bunch of people and you collaborate and you come up with ideas as a solopreneur right now for me to do that by myself. I was really frustrated with that of why am I not able to come up with these ideas? It was until I started to collaborate with other colleagues and coaches that all these new ideas are coming up. So understanding that, that my strength and same with yours is when you're in a room with a bunch of other brains and you're able to shine. And so you're working towards your strength, which is exactly the whole point of this. And to even record it, because yes, it's almost like, yeah, you're kind of like this psychic thingy going on and you're like, ideas, 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 ideas. So I absolutely- yeah. And I changed uh, the way I do, you know, writing. I'm, yeah, everyone tells me I should be writing leadership posts, leadership, you know, posts because of my thoughts and thought leadership that I have in the room or at events, again, in the moment. And I always think, well, I can never figure out what to write. So I changed that. And now I have someone um, who interviews me. I know the topics and I kind of know what I want to discuss. And they interview me. Um, Perfect. The, and then they do the draft and then we write it together, but ultimately they're doing the interview to capture that. And, and so I am writing it because it is coming out this way. I just may not be writing it between the dyslexia and ADHD, mm -hmm. but the words, the words that hit the blog when I read them, you know, I don't feel that I'm working. I don't feel that I'm working with a ghost writer. It's just another way to get the ideas to paper. I don't have any embarrassment over, over it and I'm not going to hide it. It does have my name on it, but I'm the first to say that, yeah, I had a lot of help getting those ideas onto the paper, but also ultimately where they came from in my point of view is what counts and what matters and is, is, is there. 
for people yeah, to and at least agree it's or disagree. The world to see and hear, which is yeah. ultimately we're people of service and we want to kind of knowledge transfer a lot of that. So that that's you're empowering yourself and others, which I love it. A lot of people have a hard time with that delegation. A lot of business leaders, you know, still think like, you know, they need to be there for everybody and, you know, sh show up a certain way. But I think the vulnerability that you show is quite inspiring to me, to, to, to your team. I'm sure it's, it, it has a, a longer effect as leaders, you know, they want to follow because you show up as you inside and out. So I commend you well, for that. I've always thought and always practiced vulnerability in leadership. That's the only way that I know how to lead. And sometimes I think when you first start as a leader, if you are going through vulnerability, even if you acknowledge that it's okay, it can be counterintuitive to everything that you read. Not everything, but historically many things yes. that you read about being a leader. So, you know, you see that it's working, right? The team is responding or whoever you're working mm -hmm. with is, but it, you, everything you read about leadership doesn't say to go that way or historically didn't. And so it can be incongruent with, but you see the results, but everyone tells you that that's not how you should lead. That has changed a lot in the last, I think, five or 10 years of vulnerability through leadership. Uh, leadership, leadership through vulnerability is something now that is, I think, championed at every level. And it's also leadership through neurodiversity, if I could say, right? There's the, there's the neurotypical leader that, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, guy got it together, girl got it together. And then there's the, the neurodivergent leaders that we think different, we, we look at things differently. And that's, this is the way we lead. And it's, it's different, but if, hey, if it works, if it inspires others, then maybe new books need to come out on that whole topic and yeah, maybe write one and co-author one. <laughs> I think that I, I do think I see it more and more becoming surface that um, in, in these business books and leadership books, that this is an aspect that needs to be. And I think radical candor touches on, on it as well. Uh, I'm sure if you've read it, that it does touch on, on being a vulnerable boss, but also having to be having candor. And so and I, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's worked out well. Perspective, you know, that uh, we've gone through, uh, we've been through Helen back, and mm -hmm. the team has responded in amazing ways, galvanized, and you know, doubled down on what we do and how we do it. And uh, I think if I had been, well, I know if I'd done leadership in a different way, a lot of people would have, you know, run for the exits and stole the stationery on the way out, you know. Yeah. So, but you know, that didn't happen, and I. And it's also hard in all of those things, being a leader too. I am, I do have introvert tendencies, uh, introvert, extrovert, meaning that I'm introverted when I don't know the room or people. Mm -hmm. And, but though when I do know the room and people, I can be the last person to shut up. So yeah. it's an interesting, but I always found it the toughest audience was my team to do the all hands and speak to them about where we're going because I'm not necessarily that charge over the hill kind of guy. So it's, you, you, you present what you want to go and there's a lot of, you know, I'm presenting to a lot of introverts as well. So <laughs> the response isn't always, uh, it, it's a little, it's a challenge, but I guess point being is vulnerability, it works and you have, need to just own it. They all know that I can cry. They all know that I can cry like that. I, just the uh, uh, excitement or, or yes. yeah, you know, I get you know, when one-to-one meetings with people, I'm excited. I get all teary-eyed and climb. Yeah. 
I just tell them, and now, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teary guy. So. Yeah, you're, you're, we have a big heart that you care. That's what it is. It's, you care too much, which is great. It, dis, it disarms it, though. Then it makes it, um, it actually gives you power when you put that out there because um, you just disarmed your worst fears, which is to be that less yeah. than masculine. It's, you're dude. being human, really. Like, even this morning, I did a post on, hey, last week, my brain crashed. And, you know, as much as I have all the tools and everything that I've been learning, it crashes, man. Like, you know, I'm human too. What can you do? And, but just knowing how to get out of it and, and how to show up, you know, authentic about it. So one last parting thought on this, and before we lose the attention of our audience, what message do you have for those uh, that are running their own business? So you're an entrepreneur and you find out you have ADHD. What, what would you say to that individual that hasn't done anything about their managing of their ADHD brain? I guess ask, ask yourself, I think first off, really understand the, the outcomes and the symptoms, like dig in, uh, not just a blog post or two, but do some deep, deep reading. Uh, it's a hard book for sure. It's definitely dry, but when you start to, when you start to recognize these, these characteristics, find that it is, it, it really does help you identify it and realize that it is a big deal mm-hmm. and not really a small deal. I'd always thought it wasn't a big deal. I misunderstood what it was. So I think really getting to under spending the time up front to not just say, oh, I have it and then use it as an excuse for things, uh, but to spend the extra time as hard as it might be to, to research either audiobooks of it, uh, which I did, or, you know, whatever it needs, but getting to know it in the enemy can help you then figure out because all of the tools that you'll be given in coaching, if you don't understand why it's driving these symptoms, they will just like anything, they won't be effective because you won't understand the why. So yeah. I think that's important. It's understanding the why the tools work and what they're countering. That would be my first advice, which is, counterintuitive to somebody with ADHD reading a book a giant big book on uh, on ADHD but it was I did all audiobooks <laughs> yeah I did I, I did audio I usually do audio and then if I like the book I buy the paper one so I can go in and make all yeah, the notes. Take notes yeah but it's so I spent twice as much on books the but that's I think the first step is really deep really understanding because it's not a one-to-one for everybody and then understanding which parts of it there are that are yours um, the book doesn't tell you how to counteract any of these. It's just really a diagnosis. Such, um, it, I guess the last half does. I don't know if I finished the last half. I went into the. I went into really all the diagnosis, and then I went out and figure out the ways and realized that lists. You know, I have a watch now that I can do at any moment in time. I can say, "Remind me to do this," and I get here. Remind me to do that, mm-hmm. and I live by my. I live by my one list that shows up on all, all things. I have to make notes immediately. So stay organized. Find the tools that work once you know, understand what symptoms are yours and which ones aren't, because I think a lot of generalization happens with ADHD. So mm-hmm. You may not have something, and so generalizing is not healthy. And uh, yeah, that's the first step that uh, knowing, you know, knowing the enemy. And learn about and it and make it an asset. <laughs> make it an asset. And then coaching, I think coaching is good too. What I like about coaching is um, doctors. Doctors can only do so much and they don't have the time, they're overworked and they're not, they don't have a coaches, they're not trained to be coaches, mm-hmm. they're trained to be consultants. 
And there's yeah. a difference when, when you understand the power of coaching that it's you are going to be drawn out to figure out the way that works best for you. So I would do that. Get a coach. Awesome. Thank you so and much, JP. Yeah. Well, is there and one last thing I did? I, yeah. One last thing. I mean, I did, I do take medication and that also was uh, a key to uh, key for me. It worked for me. It does work for me. And I don't have any side effects that I can see that uh, I have, I started in January and I told my managing director and I, <laughs> I did a bunch of projects that I've been trying to do for a long time, uh, all in a week. And I, I said, I can't believe I did these dying internal projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, maybe you should stay on those meds. <laughs> They're working. So between the combination of all of those pieces, the training, the understanding, the importance of it. And then for me, some medication uh, does help me focus and get through the day. Makes sense. Makes a whole lot yeah. of sense. And yeah, the medication is a part of that bigger management of it all, yes. right? There's the yeah. beliefs around it, the, the, the coming up with your own tools and strategies. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, JP, for this, for sharing your, you know, day with us and, and sharing your story. It's, uh, I'm inspired. I'm, I'm honored to have been part of that journey with you. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll find out more about JP as he continues to expand on his business. I will share in the show notes um, where you can connect with him and his digital agency out in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, till next time, keep on shining and, and we'll be back with another episode. Thank you.